0: Thanks for listening to the Life Point Church Podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com.
1: So last weekend, we kicked off a series that will run up until the 18th, and the series is called Family First. And, and we told you guys a few years ago, uh, God just sort of spoke to us and, and said there are really three things... Not that we don't teach on anything else, but three things we we really, I believe God mandated us to just make sure we are talking about, and that's faith, freedom, and family. And so every year we hit those subjects, and last weekend we kicked off a series called Family First. And we shared with you just what God's plan is for family. We even dealt with the topic of generational curses last right. weekend. And so right. if you didn't, if you weren't able to be here, I just encourage you to go online and, and, and watch that and it'll catch you up to speed and, and it, it will really give you, I think, some, some understanding and, and some freedom. We had a, an amazing mm-hmm. ministry time last weekend. And so we want to build on that this morning and I want to take it sort of to the next phase and it, I want to talk about God's plan for parenting. Now, if you don't have children or your children are grown, don't, don't check out because I'm going to say some things that will hit all of us this morning. But I want to talk about God's, uh, God's family plan or God's plan for, for parenting. Right. And I just want you guys to know that um, I think we did pretty good as parents, but we're <laughs> normal just like you are, and um, we didn't do everything right. But I thought I would ask you, first of all, what do you think we did right?
0: Well, what I think... We did right. Is I really believe that um, above all else, we loved our children, and I think that was something that um, was something that they needed because of some things. Like if you don't receive love, you you desire love. That's the acceptance of love, and that's one of the things that I really felt in my heart. That no matter what they can say, my kids can say anything. They can say something positive. They can say something negative. But one thing that they could never ever say is they were not loved. And so I believe that was one of the biggest things. And I do believe that we try to encourage them and let them know that they can do all things through Christ. Um, doesn't mean we're perfect. By no means were we perfect. We missed a lot. But I would venture to say that they would always say I was loved. And, and that means a lot to, to me. And I think that was probably the main thing for me that I think we, we, we did well at. Not boastfully, but just believing that, that we did well at. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was wondering. I was thinking about the question too. I won't ask you. Maybe I'll answer it. But
0: okay.
1: what do we do not so good at? Oh, I have a list of that.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I think for me, I will just answer that one. I think sometimes we let what we do in church um, get in the way as a, a priority
0: yeah. um,
1: for our kids. It's hard to separate that sometimes. When you're dealing with people's lives, and then um, I, I think sometimes we didn't do so well at that. Right, um, I, I want to give a shout out to my girls because you know it's it's different when you're a, a, a PK. A PK that people say it's we pastor's weren't kid. pastors' kids, but um, we were not. Yeah, I, I remember one time, and this is sort of a, 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 a awful experience, but this is years ago in the hallway of the church. Somebody stomped at him and stuck their tongue out at him and made a face at him right in church and stormed off. And so we had to go home and say, you got to separate sometimes how people act from how God acts. And I feel like they've adjusted really well to that. But,
0: our, our children but, have adjusted. Yeah, because
1: well. I wanted to beat the person up. You know, <laughs> literally, I'm just like, you know, we, why would we do that? Because that's the, where
0: but, mama and papa come in. Yeah, but they, they handle that well. Story. And so
1: I got really brave the last couple of days, and I actually asked my daughters. I said... What did we do good at? It took them three days to answer, but.
0: But But they did answer. They answered. They did answer. There is hope.
1: And they said, they they said this, they said that you provided. And at first I was like, well, that's what we do. We're parents. And, but they said no, we provided everything they wanted and needed, just not, you know, financially or materially, but encouragement, love and all of those things. And then I said, well, what did we do bad at? and they said you don't always listen i said be quiet i didn't ask you that (laughs) but they did say that um and they pointed the finger more at me but they said sometimes you think you guys know all the answers and you don't listen
0: that we talk over them
1: we talk over them yeah
0: (laughs) no i do it too yeah
1: so we shared that just to say that we're not perfect we are not you're not perfect parents but i thought what we would do for a few moments is just look at how God wants us yeah. to be parents in the day and age that we are in, and I don't want you to check out if your kids aren't small or if your kids are a certain age or if you don't have children, because I, I, I'm going to hit some things that reaches all of us. But thank you for participating in my little survey, um, and we're going to build on this next week in the in the following week. Are you all ready to go this morning? Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe the greatest attack in In our country, specifically, the last few years has absolutely been uh, an attack against the word of God and an attack against families. And I want LPC to have um, the strongest, uh, most faith-filled, grace-filled bunch of families that are built on the rock that we sang about this morning. So if you would, let's start in the book of Colossians, chapter 3 in verse 18. And we find in these verses the foundation of a healthy family. It says, let every wife be supportive and tenderly devoted to her husband, for this is a beautiful illustration of our devotion to Christ. And let every husband be filled with cherishing love for his wife and never be insensitive toward her. Then it says, let the children respect and pay attention to their parents and everything, for this pleases our Lord Jesus. And fathers, Don't have unrealistic expectations for your children, or else they may become discouraged. And in this, we find the four foundations of family, and I'll give these to you. First of all, we see um, scripture talking to wives, and that's the foundation of respect. And the Bible says this, be, be supportive. You know, God did something amazing back in the book of Genesis. He created a man from dirt, and then out of that man, he created woman. Because he said, this dude needs a lot of help. And the Bible literally says he made him a what? A helper. So guys, you're made from dirt, but ladies, you are not made from dirt. You're actually made from a man's rib. We could say it this way. Ladies, we know you don't need us, but men need women. (laughs) Amen? Think about that. Um, Y'all could survive without us. We absolutely can't. We can't. We couldn't find anything. We would die from starvation. I mean, we would just be lost. I mean, let's just be real, right, guys? Yeah. But, but, but God made this amazing thing in the garden, and he had this design that the world has tried to get away from, and it doesn't work. And so women are, are not made. It's a military word that means women are in rank. And when they're in rank, they're, they're an amazing help. They are, are, are an amazing help. So it's a military word. It means to file in rank. And what happened is because of corruption in our world, some women have chosen to be domineering and controlling, and that's never been God's plan. He's made you to be equal, but he's made you to be support and help. And then it, then it deals with the men, and it says, men, love your wives. And so the second foundation builder is love. Now, but I have to explain this because you have to understand the time that this Scripture was penned, here's what it was like for women. Under Jewish law, women had no rights. You were essentially a possession. Wives couldn't even live in the main house. They had to live in, in a different apartment building. They were, in essence, they were servants. A man could step out on a woman anytime for other women. He held all the rights. He, he was in control. And a woman was basically a servant in a possession and now Paul's writing, and Paul's saying, men, you need to love your wives and cherish them. This was a whole different perspective. How many we know God just, God knows how we're supposed to do things. Yeah. I, I mean, we mess it up, we corrupt it, but God never meant for, for men to be domineering and to be that way. So that's why the Bible is teaching that Men and women are equal, but they have different roles. And then he speaks to children. And, in the third building block, he tells them that, that you're to honor your parents. And it actually says to honor and obey. If you do that, there's two promises connected. You will live long and your life will go well. Doesn't mean you won't have any challenges, but your life will be blessed and you're going to live long on the earth. It's a promise, the Bible says. And then there's, there's this fourth element or this, this fourth thing that I want to build on today. And it would be the building block of, we'll just use the word cherish. It actually says here, parents... It says fathers, but it means parents. And it warns them against, uh, some translation says, do not provoke your children or do not cause them to lose heart. And I'm going to come back to that. We're going to build on this this morning. But I want to start in the book of Proverbs. Are y'all ready to go? This is chapter 22 and this is verse 6. And you know, I I just know what God's called me to do is, is to teach you. And, and give you faith, and give you revelation, and I, I'll make you a money-back guarantee. If you build on these principles, your life will be blessed. It will not be a statistic that the world ex- experiences. Yours will be different. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says this, Dedicate your children to God, and point them in the way that they should go, and the values they've learned from you will be with them for life. What I want to share with you is the DNA of a successful parent, the DNA of a successful parent. And I believe successful parents do three things very successfully. We're going to use those three letters. So the letter D, this is life point number one, successful parents direct their children in the way that they should go. You give them direction. Everyone say direction. Direction. And if you are a children in here, I want you to know that the direction you need in life should come from a godly parent. And parents, it is one of our obligations, one of our duties to give you godly direction, not just what you think is the direction, but good godly direction. Now, most traditional translations will say something like this, train up a child in the way they should go. But the real Hebrew word here is the word dedicate. Dedicate. It's the word dedicate um, in the original language, and it means this, that you're to start them off, or you are to initiate them on the path that they should go, not the path that seems right to them. Because Proverbs says something else. There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it only ends in death. So when when your kids are little, um, they're really interested in you telling them the way to go, Something happens when they become teenagers and all of a sudden they know everything and you know absolutely nothing. Uh, And and so there's a a lot of stress and, and, you know, um, tension at that point, but give them a few years and they're going to realize that you might know a lot more than um, what they think you know right now. How many found that out to be true? Half of you, right? Half of you still trying to figure it out. Um, But the Bible says this, we're to give them, uh, to dedicate them in the way that they should go. And that means you initiate them on the path. You start them out on the path that they should go. Um, in, In addition, it means that you initiate the course so when they get older, they'll stick to it. If they don't get started on the right path, it will be harder one day for them to get off that path they've been on and on the right path. So what our job is as parents, the DNA a successful parent has is that we actually bring them direction in their life. We bring them direction. Now, not, not, just, not just direction when um, it comes to just you should do this and you should do that. But I just want you to know that we, we should be showing the way. We should be living and being a, an example of the way. But, but they need some things like this. Um, instruction. Direction. Um, correction. Sometimes some discipline to keep them on that road. Amen? Amen. And so the Bible says this, that, that, uh, we're to train up a child. You, you, uh, it doesn't say you raise your child, you raise animals, you train children, you dedicate them. And it's really interesting when the Bible says children obey your parents, you have to also understand the context of, of that time that the Bible was written. This was what was happening. Children were in homes and parents were becoming absent in, in Corinth. And, These children in the homes were rioting in streets, they were running wild, there was no authority in their homes. And all of a sudden, Paul begins to write to people in that culture that began to become Christians, and he said, We need to do this different. Moms, wives, you need to be a supportive helper. Husbands, you need to be a leader, you need to nurture your family. Children, you need to begin to obey your parents. Don't live wild like the world is living. And parents don't break their spirit. See, the Bible had a whole different way of doing things. Amen? God knows what he's doing. I I, I will tell you this, that the the principles in scripture about family still work in a really messed up culture today. Still work in a messed up culture. And dads, can I just speak to you for a moment? The, the, The Bible actually says that you're to nourish your kids to nourish to flourish. Sometimes we think as the moms of being more nourishing, but but guys, we need to learn to be nurturing. Now we'll do it a little bit different than wives do, but I just want to, I want to tell you this because as I was standing here in worship this this morning, I just felt this in my heart. Um, Your children are going to have a hard time going higher than you are. I'm not saying they can't, but they're going to have a hard time going higher than you are. And that could be Let's just take the spiritual part. They will have a hard time going higher than your walk with Jesus. They'll have a hard time going higher than the way you worship Jesus. If your worship is like this, they'll have a hard time going higher than that. I'm just telling you, this is what the Lord laid on my heart standing here this morning. If you have a a hard time having a relationship with Christ, they're going to have a hard time going higher than that. How many want your kids to go higher than that? then I just want to challenge you. If you're a great example to them of worship, of prayer, of being in the word, I want my kids to go higher than me. And it doesn't just happen because you want them to. It happens because you set them on a path. Set them on a path to go further than you. Set them on a path to go further and higher than you. That's my challenge for, for you this morning. So you don't just raise kids. I want to kill that myth right here on this first point. Well, we're just going to raise them till they're 18. That is absolutely nowhere in the Bible. Absolutely nowhere in, in the Bible. Um, because that, that's just, I'll just be honest with you, that's just something that was passed down somewhere that we get them until they're 18. I, I, I'm telling you, they need us more maybe after 18. Come on. So can we just squash that myth right up here? And, right, and if you're 18, I know you're like, be quiet. Don't say that. Um But we just need to squash that. Because that's just been our impression. We raise them to their 18 and good luck. That's demonic is what that is. But we as parents, what's what's the DNA of a successful parent? That we really take to heart direction. We need to start them on a path, initiate them on a course to find out what God has for them in life. Not just what we think life is all about, but really what God has for their life. We all have thoughts and ambitions for them, but but we need to direct them on the path God has for them. You know what the Bible says about each and every one of us? It says this, that God knew you before you ever breathed a breath. And the Bible says this, there's a book in heaven. It says this in Psalms 139, it's got all your days written in it. So parents, you know what? We need to be asking, God, what's in that book for my kids? Not what I want to write in that book, but what's in that book for my kids? And that's the direction I want to give them in in life. And I'm telling you, we are in a culture right now. Listen, parents, your kids need to hear from you. There is nonsense being taught in our school systems. There is nonsense being taught. In our entertainment industry, there is nonsense coming down from our government. Come on, somebody. Your voice needs to be heard. And it doesn't always have to be heard like this. It needs to be heard. It needs to be erected. All right, I, I, I want to keep going. Um, wasn't that good? Direction. Here's life point number two. Successful parents nurture their children to thrive. So you give them direction, and then we nurture them to thrive. Believe it or not, God wants your kids to absolutely thrive in a culture, in a world that's not thriving so much itself. I think we've learned that the policies, the plans, the intentions of the culture we live in is failing families. It's failing our children, but the word of God will never fail your family. It will never fail your children. So what do we do? We, we, we start them on a course and then we continue to nurture them so let me let me give you some scriptures this is the book of Ephesians it says children obey your parents in the Lord as his reps for this is just and this is right verse 2 honor that means you will esteem this is the amplified and you will value as precious your father and your mother this is the first commandment that has a promise attached to it that all may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth well, I'm not preaching to the children this morning, but let's go to verse four. Fathers, you could change that to say parents is what it means. Parents, don't irritate and provoke. Your My daughter's giving me the evil eye right now because she tells me all the times like you're irritating me. Um, it, don't irritate and provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to resentment. But rear them tenderly in training and discipline and the counsel and the admonition of the Lord. Let me give you another verse. This is Colossians 3.21. Fathers, which we can say parents, don't irritate or fret your children. Don't be hard on them or harass them, lest they would become discouraged and sullen and morose. And they would feel inferior and they would feel frustrated. Look what it says. Do not break their what? Do not break their spirit. Now, this scripture does not mean you just get on each other's nerves. When you live with people, you, you, you can just get on people's nerves. But the scripture is very, very clear that our job as parents is not only to give direction, but it's to nurture. Here's, here's what the word nurture means. Nurture means a process of caring and, encourage, and encouraging growth and development in someone. I'm going to say that again since I jumbled that up. It's the process of caring for and encouraging the growth and development of someone. And the Bible says we're to nurture them in the admonition of the Lord or in the ways of the Lord. We're we're to nourish them to flourish. We're to help them thrive in the things of God. Not Not just education, not just money, but in the things of God. And the Bible goes on and it uses a word that we don't use. It says, do not exasperate your children. Well, because that's not a word that we use all the time, I wanted to look into that. And it says this, parents don't exasperate or or provoke your children to live a life of anger, to live a life full of bitterness, or to live a life full of resentment. Because it will cause them to lose heart and it will last throughout their lifetime. It will last their lifetime. And there are some of us that are sitting in this room that maybe you, the way you were raised or the home you grew up in, you know what it means to have your spirit broken. You know what it means to be angry and bitter and resentful and it's stuck with you just not when you were 14, but now you're in your 30s and 40s and 50s and you're still dealing with resentment And rejection from yesterday is exactly what this scripture is talking about. You should have been nurtured in the things of God. You should have been nurtured in the way to go. You should have been nurtured in the principles of God's word. And it will keep you from living a life where you felt resentful. And you felt rejected. and, And you've lived out this scripture. I wouldn't ask you to raise your hand on that. But so I said this morning, this message isn't just about how to be a good parent, but it's to look at what has happened in your life. Because what happens is you go through life and and different things can happen. You can live a life full of wounds. You can live a life with a chip on your shoulder. You can live a life full of discouragement, disappointment, because your spirit's been broken. And it carries through life. And the bad part of that is it affects every decision you make, how worthy you think you are, how inferior you feel that you are. And it becomes a challenge when you get married and you have kids or you try to do life. I just want you to know that um, God never designed it that way. And I want to give you a scripture at the end. I'll, I'll I'll get back to that. But God never designed it that way, and here's the deal. Here's the deal. This morning, my wife says this so good because I guess if we took a survey, survey, we'd find out that a lot of us have failed as parents in some ways, and some of you maybe have felt condemned about that, or you thought you should have done better. And I want you to know that the best thing about God is God has a superhero power. It's called the power of redemption. It's called the power of reversal. God can reverse those things. Now, he can't change the moment that happened, but he can change your heart. He can change your mind. Because here's what happens. uh, We will repeat the behaviors that happened to us, even though you don't want to do that. But God has the ability to alter you and change you so you can become a good parent. Even if if your kids are a little grown now, you you can begin to be a better parent. Why? Because, Because of the Spirit of God that lives in you. It might have not been there at one time, but he's alive, he's living in you, and you don't have to repeat behaviors that maybe happened to you. God has a superpower of reversing things and redeeming things and restoring things. Let, let him do it. And I know you're probably wondering, well, what does, how, give me an example of, of exasperating or breaking my child's um, spirit. And so it can happen in, in one of these three ways. And I think I have a, I think I have a graphic for you here on, on the screen. I don't have a graphic here for you on the screen. I thought I did. All right, let me share these three ways with you. Okay. Um, number one, if you're absent. If you're an absent mom or dad, guess what? It can, it can break the spirit of your child. Now, now, here's what would fall under that category. You can become neglectful. If you're not creating provision for your children, legitimate needs. Not not just do they have enough you know, Xbox games, but that you're present with them, that you're you're at the ball games, you're you're with them in the home, you're you're not neglectful for any of their needs, just not financially, just not materially, but emotionally um, and spiritually. To be absent means you've abandoned some areas of their life and you've left them on their own. I'll I'll be real honest with you. If you don't bring correction and direction and discipline, guess what? It's abandoning them. The Bible said there's a bend in your children and you need to work it out. What that means is there's a bend to do the things of the flesh and you have to help work that out. And don't look at me so righteous because you had that bend too. Some of it it didn't get worked out. You're 45 years old, and God's just now getting a chance to get around to it. That's why it's so painful now in your 40s. No one said amen. Some of you said wow, and some of you laughed. How many know it's more painful when you're 40 than when you're 14? At 14, it feels like the world's over. In your 40s, the world could be over. Literally. Are you all with me? But if we're not present and we abandon, and some of you know what it's like for a, a parent to have abandoned. Some of you maybe, um, maybe some of you know what it's like to be adopted and you wonder what your origins are and, or, or you're, you have biological parents but one left and wasn't there. You know the pain that it caused. Horrific pain. You didn't have the direction. You didn't have the path. But I want you to know that, that God has this amazing way of being the best father even if an earthly father or earthly mother failed you in that area how many have experienced that amen so not only being uh, uh, to abandon here's another form of exasperating it, it's to be abusive and abusive obviously that could be physically but it could also be it could also be verbally anything that depreciates them I, man have you ever been in a store and heard that parent like you thought you'd run to like Wally World at, like, midnight. I don't know what time they're open to now. but They used to be 24 hours. And you would go at midnight. And, like, there's that parent with, like, their little kids at, like, 2 o'clock you know, in the morning. And you're like, first of all, why are they up? They should be sleeping. And the parent is just screaming and yelling. And, you know, if they're acting like this in public with their kids, what's it like at home? It, we understand physical abuse is terrible. But have you ever heard the way some people talk to their kids? I mean, there have been times I wanted to go... Grab that parent and say, do you know what you're doing to your child? Because you know what should be, because what we're talking about nurturing, you know what should be coming out of your mouth is not just identifying how your kids are acting. Because sometimes I want to look and say, you're being a brat, you're being selfish, you're being a know-it-all, but sometimes we got to look at them and say, you know what, you're a child of God and you have talent and you have good stuff in you. I see the word of God in you. I, I, I see God doing something amazing through you. And, and sometimes I'll leave the house wondering like, have I messed up my kids? And I'll come home a few hours later and like elevation worships, blasting the house like, we did something right in, in the midst of, you know, all of our wonderings. So what I'm saying is you just point them to Jesus. And you don't raise them maybe like you were raised. You raise them with the word of God, with the touch of the Holy Spirit. If we're absent, if we're, even here's another way of exasperating. it's just being overbearing. Sometimes we can just be overbearing, too critical, sometimes overprotective, sometimes too much discipline. You know, I used to be a youth pastor for years and, and I knew this family that uh, every day the father, would, and he had several kids, and he would spank them every day, every day. And he, he just told them, he goes, well, you, I'm sure you did something that you needed spank for. some of you think, well, that's the way to do it right there. No, that's not the way to do it right there because I I, I watched a couple, I had um, a a couple of their sons in youth ministry and and they they were punks, absolute, and they had a hard time with love because love was all about you're getting a whooping because you don't know what you're doing. God doesn't operate that way. If he did, you would not be breathing right now. You would have been been toast and ashes a long time ago. I would have been preaching to nobody this morning. But we can be overbearing. We can be unrealistic with our expectations, and they will feel like they're not good enough. So what's our DNA if we're a successful prayer? We're talking about the way God wants family done in our crazy culture. First of all, we we give direction. Second of all, we give nurturing. And let's get to the last one. Psalms 127, great verse. Look what it says. Unless the Lord builds the house. We sang about that this morning. Unless the Lord is building your family, unless he's building your house, you're gonna labor what? In vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early and to sit down late to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, look what it says children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Sometimes you might forget that, but those children that you were blessed to give birth to, they are your lineage. They are, the Bible says, they're a reward. I know when you had them, you're like, yes, this is a beautiful reward. And then you might have your moments like, this doesn't feel like a reward today. But the Bible says they are, they're your reward. Now let's look, look on, it says this is the reward of your womb. Now look at this next verse. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of your youth. Happy is the man whose quiver is full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with their enemies at the gate. Now the the the. The last point is successful parents aim their children at the right target. So what's your DNA? Direction, nurturing, and you aim them. This psalm is what we call a psalm of ascent. Um, The Hebrew people were walking up the steps to the temple, and they sang this song in unison about building the house of God, about children are a blessing. And the Bible says if you build your family on the rock and the principles of this word then it's going to be blessed. And the Bible goes on and says, those children are your heritage, they're your reward, they're the fruit of your womb, it means they are valuable to you. And then it says they are arrows in your hand. And so what this means is you're to point that arrow at the target that God has for them. Give them direction, nurture them in that direction, and aim those arrows at that target. Now, I, I mentioned this a moment ago. That I wanted to just squash the idea that you get them to 18 and you've done your job. Because here's what's happening in our culture. Hear me out on this. We are shooting our children in the direction of getting the highest grades you can, the highest scores you can. We'll send you off to some school to make as much money as you can. They get indoctrinated with all kinds of nonsense. And we lose them from the church, if not for decades, forever. It's what's happening right now in our culture. Now, I am not saying they shouldn't be educated. I'm not saying that they should not be be blessed. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you have to make sure you're not aiming at the same target that the culture is. You, I'm just saying you, 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 you have to be very aware that you're not aiming at the same target. That's just your ambition or culture's ambition because you're going to hit a target that God never intended for them to have. Please, please hear me on this. I know I'm talking different than maybe everything you ever heard before. The last thing you want is your son or your daughter to be indoctrinated by this world and lose them from the house of God and the family of God. I've seen it happen time after time. We just send them off to school and they come back and they don't share our values. They don't share godly beliefs. And there's a crazy theory in the world right now that love just accepts everything. Love just accepts everything that's happening in the way everyone's acting. Guys, that's not biblical love. Now, we love every person, absolutely. No No matter what theory or thought or behavior that they have, but love doesn't just say, oh, whatever you want to do. You know where you find that? It's about page two in the Satanic Bible. It says that. So what I'm saying for you and your family, you, you, don't, you don't live like this, but you point your kids in a direction where they're going to find the purpose of God. And if that's at a certain school with a certain education, or I'm telling you, what if you send them in that direction and they never fulfilled what God told them to do? I know this isn't a popular message, but our job—our, you know—both both of my kids took some time off and figured out what they were supposed to do. I'm not saying that's the trick for your kid. I'm just saying, what's God saying about your kids? Because if we just do it like everyone else is doing, we're going to lose them. The church is losing that generation right now. It's not all their fault. Well, they're just a bunch of crazy millennials. Well, they're just a bunch of crazy Gen Z. No, some of it is the way we pointed them. Some of it is absolutely the way we have pointed. Thank you for your applause on that. I I know that didn't go over the greatest. I I I just I would summarize it this way train them up to fulfill their God given destiny. Their God given destiny. Just train them up to get their God given destiny. Whatever school that is, whatever trade that is, whatever direction that is, that's their ministry. Can y'all handle a couple more scriptures? Y'all doing all right? Yes. Y'all looking at me like I'm, yeah. I'm an alien this morning. <laughs> psalm 144, look what it says. That our sons will be plants grown up in their youth, and our daughters may be as pillars, sculptured in palace style. This is, this is a psalm about war, deliverance, and blessing. And what it means is we're to raise our sons up so they flourish. And they're grown up in their youth, and they become great, stout, strong, well-formed, vigorous, not stunted in their growth, um, men in the house of God. And it means about our daughters that they are graceful pillars carved into beautiful uh, um, cornerstones that adorn the house of God. What I'm saying, we are to train them and we're to mold them And we're to dedicate them to being a a, a generationally strong, beautifying the plans of God, beautifying the house of God, being strong in the house of God, not losing every generation, not losing the next generation, but they would grow up and their kids and their kids redefining, redoing some legacy. That's why there's a war against this. That's why there's a war against this in our culture. So here's what I know this morning, and I'm landing this plane. Here's what I know. You might be sitting here, some of you are saying, I'm glad I'm hearing this now. Some of you are sitting here and saying, man, I wish I'd have heard this like 20 years ago. And there's some of you standing here thinking, well, there are some things that didn't happen for me in my life, in the way I was raised. And it's, it's made me a certain way. And so I knew when I landed this plane this morning, I wanted to make sure I landed it this way because I, I gave you information. I gave you this how, how we're supposed to do our kids. But in this setting, in God's house this morning, with the Holy Spirit present here, if you look and say, man, I, I really failed in some family stuff. Not just made some mistakes, but I, I feel like I really failed in some areas. If my kids are a certain age now, and I, what, what, what do I do? Well, number one, here's what we do over the next few moments. We just repent before God and we say, God, we need your superhero, supernatural power to show up and begin to reverse the curse and reverse the course. And God, we're going to trust that you're going to open doors for me to still have input into my kids' lives and into my family. And God, you can still change things. I know they're 25 right now, but you're going to use me to help change things in their life. I miss some things. I mess some things up. God has not only the power to do that, but he has the heart to do that. He not only has the power, but he has the heart to do that. And if we'll cooperate with him, that this next phase and season of your life could be God re- remending and re- re- reconciling and healing and doing some things in your family that you would step back and say, God just did a miracle and some things I messed up. And some of you have done life as a single parent and you didn't have the help there. And some things have, have just transpired to where you, if there would have been a dad or if there would have been a mom, and the Holy Spirit, grace makes up the difference for those things. If we invite him in and we, we allow him. And maybe your kids are getting a little bit older. I just want you to know what I'm realizing that, that your, your, your kids still need your influence and your input. Now as they get older, you do it a little bit differently. But also know this this morning that because of how life was done to you or for you, there has been... What I would call a burden on you, a weight on you, a a load on your life, in your heart, and on your thoughts, and the burden I would call just a spirit of rejection, a spirit of resentment that's come over your life because of some things that happened. Some of it might have been abuse, some of it might have been abandonment, whatever it might have been. I want to read you this scripture. It's not on the screen this is Psalm 18 verse 14 it says a man's spirit can sustain him in sickness but who can bear it in a broken spirit that means something's broken your spirit something's broken your heart and you you've lived with that weight for years and, and I'm, I'm willing to prophesy to you this morning That over the next few moments, I think it can break and lift. I'm going to go talk to these guys. I I, I believe over the next few moments that it can break and lift off of your life. In In the presence of God. Now, you have to walk some things out, change your thinking on some things. But as I was standing up here this morning, God gave me a scripture. Sometimes he does that. And this is out of the book of Romans. I don't have this on the screen, but Romans says this. God has been so kind to us. And he has accepted us because of Jesus. Before I read the end of that, I want you to know this. that When you feel rejected and abandoned and you get resentful about it and you're carrying that weight, you don't feel accepted. And acceptance is an absolute basic need. And you haven't felt accepted. But the Bible says because God is so kind, Jesus built the bridge of acceptance. In other words, God accepts you just how you are. He'll do the changing later on. But you're good enough right now. And, And good enough means with all of your mistakes, everything you have botched, And messed up everything that you didn't do good enough all that stuff it could be true Uh, 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 everything that was spoken of you that wasn't true because God's so kind Jesus has accepted you now here's why that's so important the highest standard would be the standard of Jesus and if Jesus is okay with you it doesn't matter what someone else said about you it really doesn't it doesn't matter what culture wants out of you now now let me say that with the end of this verse because it, it should make you shout. Isn't this good? God has been so kind and he's accepted us because of Jesus and so we will live and we will rule like kings. Here's what that means that thing that was said, that thing that you went through, that thing that has bogged you down, because of the kindness and the love and the goodness of Jesus Himself, God Almighty, the power of the work of Jesus, the touch of the Holy Spirit, you will live because you were prophesied to live under death and to live under a curse and to live under depression and to live under failure and to live under inferiority and to live under (laughs) under condemnation. He has broke that off of you. You can now live, but not just live, but rule as a king. That means rule over circumstances. Overcome what should have overcame you. You can live on top of what should have overwhelmed you. You can come up and above over those things. You are the head, you are not the tail. You are above, you are not believed. That's what, that's what our God does. That's what our God does. He accepts you, so you are no longer rejected let the resentment go because someone misprophesied to you that you couldn't and you wouldn't and you won't and you made too many mistakes and you weren't a good enough uh, parent and you weren't a good spouse or you weren't a good enough son or daughter someone prophesied wrong to you you say well why is your prophecy so right because i just told you what god said that's what makes mine right i just told you what god said he can help us in our families You know, let's just let the love of Jesus just continue to fix us and mold us and let it just overflow to our kids and our extended family. Amen. Can we stand this morning? Can can we stand in in his presence? Because I know this. God God wants you this morning set free from that rejection thing. He wants you set free from that resentment thing. He He wants that broken over you. Amen. How many believe that? I'm telling you, if you let God touch your heart and if you will let yourself remodel your thinking according to what Jesus thinks, it will all change. It will all alter. You you know, if, if someone told you a lie when you were younger, you have spent your whole life chasing or living under that lie, and if you found out one day someone told you something wrong and the lights came on and truth came and you realize I've been thinking and living and doing this the wrong way. There would be an excitement that someone finally told you the truth and now you can live Be the truth. That's why the Bible says this. When the Son sets you free, you're free what? Indeed. Those who know their God, the Son of God. Jesus, when they know Jesus, they they know what? Truth. And truth liberates them and sets them free. If you're free indeed, you know, you can be free. That means you're saved. But free indeed means I'm saved and my thinking is altered. And my believing is changed. And I'm under revelation. And things are different. And, and, And I feel like I need to say this. There are many of you that were not raised with God's plan A. And I don't mean just that parents didn't do good enough because that's sort of all of us. I mean like there was someone absent, there was something missing in your life, and, and it's like an asterisk on your file. And I want you to know what God wants to do in this next few moments is he wants to erase the asterisk and just tell you that the grace makes up the difference. You can be the, the father you didn't have, you can be the mom you didn't have, you can be the spouse that, that, that was a you, God can empower you to do what you thought was just a weakness in your life. That's why grace is there. Paul said it's like a thorn in my flesh. God take it away and God said, my strength is more than enough. My grace is more than enough. So wherever you have come in life right now, where you're going to go, spirit of grace is more than enough in your life. It'll break the power of rejection. It'll break the power of resentment. It'll break it if we let him this morning. It will allow him. And, 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 and listen, you, you need to be honest with me. Do not let that thing rise up. I'm tough enough. I'm good enough. I'm going to get this together. Or it's been too long. Or I've been through too much. Or that was too traumatic. Or do, you let that go for the next few moments. Let that go. I'm telling you, let it go. Let it go. Let it drop. And let God just touch you over the next few moments. I, I'm not going to lay I'm not going to touch you. God's going to touch you over the next few moments. And some of us just need to let it go with forgiveness. I'm going to be quiet. We're going to sing a song, right? But let that thing go. Let the forgiveness go. Just let it go. Say, God, I'm sorry that I've lived under rejection. God, I'm sorry. God, thank you for giving me some truth. Thank you for liberating me. Thank you for touching me this morning. Be honest with me. Who needs to hear this this morning?